tutto il Bologna a difesa dei propri 16 metri vedremo chi partirà parte Recoba col sinistro conclusione rete un gol straordinario Now this fantastic goal was scored by Alvaro Recoba for Inter against Bologna in the 2002-2003 season from a free kick which was known to be his forte along with his penalties and corner kicks. The Uruguayan international played as a playmaker and spent the majority of his career with the Nerazzurri from 1997 all the way up to 2008. That isn't the reason we chose this goal, however, uh, the reason we chose it is because in 1999, whilst at Inter, Recoba was loaned out to Venezia and played a crucial part at guaranteeing survival for the Leoni Alati. Yes, he formed a formidable attacking duo that season with Maniero, who was also brought in in January. Together they scored 23 goals between them in just half of a season, uh, Maniero scoring 12 goals and Recoba bagging 11 goals and 9 assists. Venezia needed a win in the last game of the season to ensure survival. Coincidentally, the last game of the season came against Inter, who were Recoba's parent club. Venezia ended up winning this game 3-1 thanks to a goal and an assist by Recoba, um, confirming survival for the next season. Ruolo Dallex has been there since 1999. Yes, sir. Inter took him back with open arms the following year, and with 11 seasons, two Scudetti, two Coppa Italia, a Super Cup and the UEFA Cup, the rest is history. There's also one more anecdote I would like to share about Recoba. On the 31st of August 1997, all the newspaper headlines in Italy were focused on Ronaldo, El Fenomeno's debut for Inter. Um, he had just arrived from Barcelona. However, Inter found themselves trailing 1-0 to Brescia. Rather desperately, the Inter manager at the time, Luigi Simoni, brought on the unproven young wildcard, Alvaro Recoba. Recoba ended up scoring two goals in the last 10 minutes to win Inter the match, completely stealing the limelight from El Fenomeno. These goals included a powerful 30-yard shot and a free kick straight into the top corner. He had a beautiful left foot. He could hit it from anywhere. As long as the ball is on his left foot, he was absolutely unstoppable. Yeah, not to mention he was so technically gifted. Yeah, he was. And as an attacking midfielder at the time, that was very much the style they opted for. He was very similar to, for example, Kaká, but he was better off dead ball situations, for example. He was really good at dribbling. He could fit through defenders as well, a bit of trickery here and there. A yeah, player to play in midfield and an attack, a very versatile player, a very useful player essentially for Inter. So hello and welcome to Serie A Spotlight episode 18. We are your hosts Jake and Matt. And we're back. We're back. So I don't know if you guys realize, but if you thought we sounded different in the last two episodes, it's because that wasn't us. We hired... Yes, two people exactly to, we paid uh, them very well we paid them incredibly well and yeah what, what how, how do you think they performed i thought they were very good man i thought they were funny i thought their conversation flowed naturally they bounced really well off each other it would have been better if they were a bit less nasal yeah. Um, <laughs> and a bit more sober maybe in the second episode in the, the second <laughs> episode i think maybe they got a bit too fucked up <laughs> it was so good though it, I really was enjoyed it. Those, those first seven minutes kill me man hey, it's man. so funny hey no it was the laughing fit completely unedited this <laughs> laughing throughout while the mic's running and if you mm-hmm. like that you can also find it on our instagram page at seria spotlight uh, we have a little snippet there from episode 17 yes episode episode 17 but with all with all due respect, thank you very much to Minto Fansanti for doing this. We 
were able to enjoy our holiday and our trips very well since they were looking after us and yeah thank you guys and we'll definitely have you on the podcast in the near future yes and we can assure you that that is the last you're gonna hear about nick pope (laughs) (laughs) let's get down to it one more thing i'd like to say is obviously while we were away we didn't really stay worrying about the prediction series so we've neglected that a little bit we will be bringing it back and uh, in the next episode and yeah hopefully i'll manage to get some points back and beat jake Massive shout out to Mint, by the way, who um, managed to predict a, a Thomas and Henri um, own yeah, goal. Yeah, that goal. was incredible. I man. will, I Insane. will gladly surrender my title as the Oracle for episode <laughs> seventeen only. Of course, um, we'll have an Oracle off in the coming yeah, days. But yeah. thankfully, this is episode eighteen, so you're safe. Let's go. So the first game took place between Inter and Cagliari and it ended 4-0 to the hosts. Inter leapfrog Milan to the top of the table, extending their unbeaten home run to 25 games, while Cagliari, on the other hand, remain winless in eight Serie A away games. Wow, wow, wow. Now, 4-0. Quite a few goals over here. Um, coming into this game, I had, I had high hopes for, for Cagliari for some reason. I was, I was expecting an upset. It's fucking crazy. Um, I don't know. I looked at the lineup <laughs> and I saw Dalbert, I saw Godin, I saw Keita Balde. You know, those, are, those, are three, those are three X's. Mm-hmm. And typically X's play their hearts out against their former teams, of course. Right. And there's Bellanova there, who's an ex-Milan player. So, you know, I was, I was hoping for an upset, but of course, um, it didn't happen. So... Bellanova had an early break um, where he clocked 34.75 kilometers per hour and tested Handanovic. No one clocked a higher speed than him this match day. Um, and there I was on the sofa going like, oh my God, he's going to do it. This is going to be Bellanova's breakout <laughs> game. He's going <laughs> to fuck Inter and it's going to be amazing. No. In the 29th minute, Chalanoglu's perfect delivery is converted yeah. by Lautaro Martinez's really big forehead, despite <laughs> Cranio getting a firm hand to it. Um, in the 44th minute, Denzel Dumfries tries to get around Cranio, but is taken out by the goalkeeper. Lautaro shoots oh, no. left and Cranio saves. Actually, yeah, Cranio actually had 11 saves this game, the most um, by a landslide this match. That's insane, 11 yeah. saves, wow. Now, in the 50th minute... So after halftime, of course, for those who are new to football, <laughs> there was a sensational goal. Um, I'm sure you've seen this on like puberty on or on like um, all those other sports mm. places. It's been every. I'm, I'm sick of it, uh, but it was actually a, it was brilliantly worked. You know, Barella got the ball on the right. He juggled it up in the air and barely looking like he fucking hoofed it into the box and it fell perfectly to Sanchez, who just volleyed it home first time. And he scored his first goal of the season. What a goal. What a wonder. I've never seen a goal like that, man. It was crazy. In the 66th minute, Chalanoglu, um, it was his turn for a wonder goal. Um, He shot from outside the area and went to the top right-hand side of the corner. And in the 68th minute, I've just seen goal after goal after goal. Um, Barella decided that Lautaro should get another goal, so he played the perfect ball to him and Martinez casually tapped it past Cranio. That's what Barella does, you know, he decides I want you to score and he just mm. passes them the ball and they score. He had two assists um, the most this match day and um, Hakan also had an assist of course. Now, um, after that Alexis Sanchez struck the crossbar, Vidal tested the keeper and there were there was quite a lot of commotion after that but it ended yeah. 4-0. It was quite Ultimately. one way I think. Obviously yeah. four goals, 11 shots on target, 11 saves, so... Yeah. What do you make of Inter right now, man? 
I think Inter are, are fucking impressive, obviously. Um, I think it, it helps, naturally, because of the depth they have. I think every single team has a few problems here and there with injury, but Inter, it doesn't really affect them that much. When they do have players out, uh, they, they're capable of bringing on players for a second wave of attacks. So it's almost like they're constantly in the opening 20 minutes of a game. Man. Those fresh legs just mm-hmm. impact the game so much. And... With someone like Simone Enzaghi, who's constantly promoting attacking play, I think it's a perfect match between Inter and Enzaghi, and I think we're in for a long season of Ws for Inter. Yes, in, in fact, I have a stat over here that compares um, Enzaghi's first 17 games with Inter to Conte's first 17 games with Inter. Okay. Now, it's important to, to remember that Conte, apart from, of course, being a more highly regarded, highly respected manager, uh-huh. had the likes of Lukaku and Hakimi on that team. Yeah. Now, in the first 17 games, um, Conte managed 11 wins, while mm-hmm. Nzagi managed 12 wins. Um, four draws each. Conte had two defeats, and Nzagi had one defeat. Conte got 37 points, Nzagi got 40. Um, they both scored 43 goals and um, Inzaghi conceded 15 while Conte conceded 23. Madonna. So it's actually quite impressive, you know, how Inzaghi continued to build on the foundation that Conte laid down. For sure. Now, do you think that this is um, due to Conte's work? Do you think this was inevitable that this system, the players had learned this way and like Inzaghi? Or do you credit Inzaghi for this, basically? No, I mean, you can't deny that the groundwork was laid out. Just like you can't deny that the groundwork was somewhat laid out by Spalletti for Conte. I mean, every manager does his fair bit and Inter have had steady progress over the past 10 years. Although it was slow progress, it was steady progress all the way through. The groundwork was laid out and Zaghi obviously took over um, the champions of Italy. However, one place I would really credit, um, credit him is the way he handled the transfer market and the way he handled the professionals he has in the team. They all get playing time, they all seem happy. There was a small situation here and there, for example, with Barella, but now he's he's extending and and potentially in the next few years we'll see him with that captain's armband as well. Um, But yeah, the the players seem to love him. Uh, He's doing a great job. He managed to bring in Zeko and Correa when they lost Lukaku and and they thought it was the end of the world. Um, They lost Hakimi and it turns out Darmian is double the player I thought he ever was. And he manages to get the best out of his players, man. Even Chalanoglu started off pretty weak and now he's like player of the month and all that shit. so yeah, no, all, all credit goes to all credit goes to Inzaghi, but you can't deny that. A lot of work was done before that as well. He could have had it harder. Yes, I agree too. Um, Perisic, for example, is playing so well, you know, um, essentially he's just building on the foundation that Nagatoma left behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chalanoglu seems to be constantly just throwing shade. That guy is a walking rap video. He um, <laughs> Walking rap video. He doesn't stop. He's saying that it's it's better to play in a place where people believe in him. Now, sorry, before he scored that penalty against Milan, the Inter fans were booing him, weren't they? Yes, they were. They, they were, we, yeah. we saw it live we saw it in, in Sassuolo like, Stadium. The, the Mape Stadium. They booed the fuck out of him. Yeah, but he is playing very well now, and uh, you know we know we all know he's capable of doing this. The question is, can he continue to do this? I think Milan fans might know the answer to that. There's there's no secret that the guy is is gifted. 
within his role so we know he can pass the ball we know he's got a good work rate we know he's got a stunning shot on him and he's great at dead ball situations he can whoop the ball in but i think he's very form based i feel mm. chalanoglu sure, sure. his his season depends on his form and not his and not his skill and i mean although that that's a given with with every single player in the world i think it's a bit more significant with chalanoglu where he might be a bit more well he definitely is more streaky than other players like He's great for Inter at the moment, but you're not going to compare him to, for example, what Barella and Brozovic are doing this season because they do it consistently. And I don't feel Chalnok does it consistently, but he's playing well, man. Brozovic might be one of the most underrated players in the league. Every time I watch him, I'm like, wow, this guy is the metronome. He doesn't stop. Like, He's insane. Honestly. He's insane. Um, also, I just want to highlight that Alexis Sanchez, you know, a player who we've hardly seen this year, just comes on and has... An amazing he plays and he, he played an amazing game mm-hmm. you know he scored he hit the post he's like he don't was, you need to credit Inzaghi for of course, that of course god Keeping knows him the motivated. training sessions that that yeah. they go through you, you don't play seven matches and then you play one match and and it's like you're playing every single match so of course as mentioned earlier Inter have leapfrogged Milan to first place one point ahead of the Rossoneri while Cagliari sit 19th with 10 points Equal points on Genoa, two points ahead of Salernitana and two points from safety. Oh, but Inter could not go first without Milan slipping up in an away game to Udinese. And that is exactly what happened. Udinese hosted Milan and the end score was 1-1. So for Udinese, this was the first game with Cioffi in charge after Gotti was sacked after Udinese's 3-1 loss against Empoli. So that marked Udinese's sixth loss of the season with eight draws and three wins, with two of these wins coming in the opening three matches of the season and only one win in the last 13. So obviously a significant dip over there. Cioffi is currently Udinese's caretaker manager after being promoted from assistant manager. His CV doesn't boast many impressive stints, with his most notable roles taking place in the Saudi League, along with an assistant manager role for Birmingham under Gianfranco Zola. For Milan, they were coming off two victories against Genoa and Salernitana after a poor run of form saw them collect one point in three matches. However, a last place finish in the Champions League group of death meant that Milan can finally put all their focus on the Serie A, a method which really benefited Inter nicely last season. So Milan looked shaky from the start in this game, I think you can confirm as well, particularly the likes of Romagnoli, Florenzi, Benasser and Bakayoko, all kind of seeming out of sorts. It seemed like they skipped the warm-up and just didn't get going in this game. And in fact, it only took to the 17th minute for Beto to find the net after Arslan intercepted a misplaced pass by Benasser and played the Portuguese through, who found himself one-on-one with Manian. The initial attempt was saved, uh, but Beto managed to latch onto the rebound, making it 1-0 for the underdogs. Like I said, Benasser played a terrible pass to Bakayoko over there, and naturally, you know, with the way Milan play, they were clean through on goal and they managed to make it 1-0 instantly. So Milan looked shaky for the entirety of the first half, but when halftime came about, Pioli made three changes, bringing on Kessi for Bakayoko, Messias for Krunic and Tonali for Benasser. Both sides managed to get a few chances in, but the next goal came towards the end of the game in the 92nd minute when Zlatan scored a bicycle kick after some confusion in the Udinese box, salvaging a point for AC Milan. A stunning goal, by the way. Sometimes I don't think Ibra's even on the pitch because nothing's getting to him. And then the 92nd minute, he just pulls that out of his ass and it's insane. 
That wasn't the end of the drama, however, as three minutes later, in the 95th minute, Isaac's success was sent off for barging Mike Manian on the ground, who was about to start a counterattack. To be honest, the second success came on, he just looked like a twat. He looked like a start. menace, man. He was um, just being a dick constantly. He absolutely destroyed Crotone today. Yes. Fun fact that he scored in his sister games. I mean. Okay. Um, but yes, that guy came on and he was the commentator was instantly on his ass, bro. He's like, he's done nothing right. He's done nothing <laughs> right. And then eventually he went and blocked money. And to be honest, he stopped the counter-attack, which uh-huh. could have could have potentially led to a goal, but he got himself sent off. Yeah, uh, God forbid it would have led to a goal, right? Yeah, God God forbid, man. So this is my take on the first goal because obviously we both know that Beto's on hot form. Mm-hmm. We we knew he was going to score pretty pretty much, and we know yeah. that Benasser's pass was dreadful. But here's why it's worse than you might think because you can say any player fucks up and it can lead to a goal. You only notice a mistake when it leads to a goal. But Milan's system, the way it works is it consists of the keeper choosing where to play the ball, whilst the two centre-backs adopt a wide stance. So this leaves massive space in the middle, and the central midfielder makes himself available just outside the area. Normally, this is either Kessie or Tonali. Normally, Kessie tends to drop back and take charge over here. This means that should the player lose the ball in this area, the opponent is going to be clean through on goal. So it is essential that the player that receives the ball here either opts for a safe choice. We normally see, in fact, the ball being played to Ateo Hernandez or a Calabria over here, and then they want to it and start building the play forward. But Benacer went for a direct pass. It was intercepted, and then one, one ball through, and I mean... Tomori was never catching yeah. Beto, let alone Romagnoli, you know what I mean? So is this, you know, uh, a mistake in the system of Milan, or is it simply a crucial error made by a good player? Look, Guardiola says that if you want a system where you build out of the back, you need to make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? You're going to make mistakes, you're going to embarrass yourself, you're going to concede goals. So... On the one hand, Milan making these mistakes, you know, they're a young team, they can improve, eventually maybe these mistakes will be ironed out and playing from the mm-hmm. back in the manner that they do could end up being a very powerful weapon. Yeah. You know, especially the fact, you know, when we Milan dropped three players at the back, everyone pushes up, the fullbacks yeah. charge up and then they build up like that. You know, Tonali drops deep typically and carries yeah. the ball up. Yeah. But in this situation, particularly, I can't I can't help but feel that Benasser had a had a lapse in concentration. You know, I mean, if you look at Bakayoko right before he received the pass, he was boxed in by five players. Yeah, yeah, you know, he was. You look, you look to Benasser's left. There was Romagnoli or Teo Hernandez. I believe it was Romagnoli, wide open, completely wide open. Like it was the yeah, easiest there's, there's, pass. There's was, Tomori yeah. and there's and there's Romagnoli exactly, on the other side. Exactly. And, you know, instead of fucking playing the ball safe, he went for the pass to Bakayoko. Bakayoko, of course, waited. Um, he was intercepted and it yeah. led to a goal. Yeah. However, that's what that's what happens when a player like Ben Asser, who is a magical footballer on his day, he lost his, his place to Tonali. He's the guy that's going to play. Maybe this is what's going through his head. I can't be the guy to play the safe pass. I need to impress people. But I think we understand that in a league like Serie A, where every team is so systematic, you stick to the system and, all right, maybe you won't appeal as much to the supporters, but your job is to appeal to the managers. Yeah. And that's what, what's going to take you places at the end of the day. But, yeah, Benasser made the wrong call over there, probably for a multitude of reasons. And, yep, yeah, that, that potentially cost Milan the game. 
The match saw Florenzi starting ahead of Pierre Calulu to replace the injured Calabria, Benasser yeah. and Bakayoko replacing Dresden Kessie and Tonali, and Krunic replacing the injured Rafael Leao. Obviously, the squad depth isn't great at the moment for Milan with all the injuries, the suspensions. But what did you make of Pioli starting 11 in this game? Okay, so I found it quite bizarre that Florenzi started, for example, ahead of Kalulu, who's I agree on hot with form. You. I found it quite bizarre that Salamakers started ahead of Messias, who has been on very hot form once again. And I Thanks. found it extremely bizarre that Bakayoko started instead of Tonali, who has been the best midfielder of the lot. But uh, Tonali's young, we have one competition we're in, apart from the Coppa Italia. You know, so why the fuck are you resting him? And the way Tonali plays from the first minute and the way he plays in the 90th minute, he actually gets better towards yeah, the end of seems, the game. He seems to run more towards he's, the end. He's a fucking animal. Yeah. He's, su- he's such an engine. I don't have a problem with changes being made to the team. Yeah. Uh, no problem at all. I understand that Milan had, had Liverpool on I think Tuesday or Wednesday. Now, obviously, players are going to be fatigued and there are so many injuries that Pioli doesn't want to risk more injuries, especially now when they're concentrating solely on the Scudetto. But... A team that relies so heavily on the two centre mids. Don't change them both. Exactly. Especially you're gonna bench your most the most physical player in the league against the most physical team in the league. You know, you play Kessie against Udinese. Udinese are a team, guys. Udinese are a team full of people over six feet. Yeah, they I, are I have all that point here. Actually. Titans, dude. You look at them. So there's Perez, Nuiting, and Bekawa. They're all massive. Three fucking. Yeah. You have Wallace in the middle. He's massive. You have Udogi. He's massive. You have Beto. Fucking he's massive. Beto. So you have Deulafeu. You have Makengo. You have Molina, and you have Arslan. Those are the guys who are under six feet tall. Two of them are five eleven. <laughs> you know, so they're fucking massive, and. Well, I, okay, so you put Krunic on the left, granted, because you have no other options. Maybe he can match the physicality of Udogi and Bakao. Udogi? Udogi? Ud- well, the commentators call him Udogi. Yeah. I prefer Udogi. Udogi is better. <laughs> um, on the other side, Salamakers, however, was not quite quick enough, you know, to hit on the break. You know, Manian yeah. quite often was hoofing the ball upfield and was being headed down by Ibra. You know, everyone was targeting Ibra with the long balls. Milan yeah. are the CEOs of wasting the first half. Yeah, you spend the, the first I agree. half I agree. kicking the ball up against Udinese. You don't fucking go for the aerial duels. The on, in the this? earlier days of the season, Milan were really good at getting an early goal in and, and hanging on and maybe even getting a second. That, that, that isn't usually what Milan do. I, I know the Milan that would score early and then concede one or two later on. So I do think that Milan have improved when it comes to controlling games, so on and so forth. But at the moment, everything's just a bit of a mess. You can blame the injuries. Um, which which obviously play a massive part. But one thing I found pretty interesting, man, is Ibra doesn't need to be having a great performance to impact the team. Now, I'm not talking about the moral support that he gives, but his physical presence up there gives Milan that reference point that whether he's dog shit or not, there's a reference point to play on. It's something you very really lack, for example. Just having a structure up front that you can rely on when it comes to laying the ball off, playing the ball to him from the back. And yeah, I mean, I mean, as you can see, 92nd minute and Debra manages to get a goal. So how important, because obviously we talk about Zlatan, you know, mm-hmm. in an ideal world, not being in the starting eleven, and there's a bit of an upgrade in, mm-hmm. in, in that area. But how important is Zlatan for Milan this season, in your opinion? Okay. So, I think Zlatan, when it comes to the dressing room, is the most important player on the team. Yeah, when I it agree. comes to the dressing room, when it comes on the pitch, however, I'm not quite sure about that. 
Um, the mentality he brings is certainly there. The fact that he can bail Milan out in certain situations is always there. But then the question actually arises. If there were another striker up there in his stead, perhaps, I don't know, a Vlaovic. Even, even Rebic, for example. Rebic, let's Rebic. say Rebic, for example. Couldn't you perhaps have really wounded Udinese early on? Couldn't you perhaps, you know, when you play those true balls, it's not Zlatan who's offside? Mm. You know, I love Zlatan, don't get me wrong but, but at the end of the day, he is 40 years old And he shouldn't be playing 90 minutes It's as simple yeah. as that He scored in the 90th minute, okay I get it, but guess what? This game finished 1-1 Yeah, yeah you know? and, and bro, I mean in the He had a chance at a point a Beautiful ball played to him And he just like stopped and waited Because he, he doesn't really have much pace to him And it's it's not his style and he just hit it on this half volley. Yeah. And he, he and thought he was offside. He, he I sent it. I, I do think that he... In fact, even I thought he yeah. was offside. <laughs> Same. He's but offside. can you imagine Rebic getting that ball? How he would head the ball down with his head down and just fucking rush Snarling directly towards time. goal. Like, And he's so good from those tight angles, those low driving shots into the far corner. But okay. For sure. I think you, if you play Zlatan, you need to play a team that can feed him. That's that's the fairest assessment yeah. you can yeah. give to this. Now, if you play Zlatan, you need to play Leao, you need to play Messias, exactly. you need to play Tonali, you need to play anyone who exactly. can feed him. That's you it. can't have Kronich and Salamakers no. playing with Zlatan. No. You, you can't. Um, so this is a good question. And my last question about Milan before I move on to Udinese. If you could bring back one player from injury... Who would it be? Leao, Calabria, Kier, Rebic, or Giroud? Massive names. Okay. Every single one would be an asset at, at the moment. So, uh, can I be cheeky and answer Kier just because he has six months out? Or, or the time? T- let's pretend time is a factor. Don't be a like. fucking dick. <laughs> okay. Who do you think contributes okay. most to me? For me, who would for you me back? 100%, I bring back Rebic. Interesting. You? Very fucking interesting. I don't know, bro. <laughs> Finally, have to I pick an don't answer. know. I would probably say Calabria. Bring back the captain. Calabria, really? I would say Calabria. Why would you bring mm-hmm. back Calabria, man, when the problems are clearly in the offensive department? I feel we struggle, well, Milan struggle down the right hand side so much when Calabria isn't there. I feel I, like I almost everything that, yes. comes from the right hand side. And he brings this maturity about him. I feel like. The defense is more organized with Calabria in it. Am I saying that mm. Calabria charges the defense and, and and it's the way it is because of him? No, probably not. Probably it's a combination of, of him, Kier, Tomori and Teo. But I think having Calabria back would be such an asset and, and I can't wait till our captain is back, man. And yes. you know what? I hope he comes back and I hope even if Romagnoli is on the pitch, Calabria will be wearing the armband because he deserves it, man. I agree. But how can you leave... A gaping hole on that left side and bring back Calabria. You're right. Uh, there's there's Leao as well, and and that's that's a fucking worthy shout Let's as not well. Forget Rebic. They're the all guy fucking who crazy. In, Even in the last Kier. fixture against Udinese, I'm not sure if it was the last or the one before. He was the guy. He was the guy who came on and bailed Milan out. He's been the guy for a while, you know, to bail Milan yeah, out. Yeah, but with that with that argument though. We could single out Romagnoli. We could say what dog shit Romagnoli can be mm-hmm. and how good Kier could be. So why not bring back Kier? You know what I mean? They're all very, but, very but there valuable are players. 
to replace him. All right, granted, not too many right now. Absolutely but... not Romagnoli and Gabbia, though. Okay, you have Romagnoli, you have Gabbia, you have Kalulu, you can put in a shift there. You oh. have January approaching, so that can be dealt with in January. Apparently, it is. There's that Botman guy with 30 million. Apparently, huh? Yeah. 30, 30, 30 million. million? 30 million. He's a young, he's a young guy, very highly rated, apparently sought okay. after by the top clubs uh, in Europe. Before, before I, you know, say 30 million, that high-pitched voice, I'll do some research on him. <laughs> Um, yeah. But I'll move on a bit to Udinese. Um, so let's start off with Gotti sacking. Mm. Because I thought that them keeping Gotti from last season to this season was the best move that they could have made. I think a bit of longevity with a manager like Gotti could have really taken them places. And I was expecting them to start progressing towards that 10th spot later on the season. They have the players for it. They... I've never watched the Deneza play and say they've got totally outplayed. This wasn't their day, their shit. I feel like they always put in a shift. They have the resources to test any team. And I feel like they test most teams. Yeah. I I, I didn't understand why they signed Gotti. But I mean, Chuffy's first day in charge as caretaker manager. And they get a 1-1 draw to Milan. So. Yeah, I, I guess that's what it is at the end of the day. And if you look at... The results before he was sacked, you know, so they have a loss to Torino, they have a draw to Genoa, they have, okay, that crazy draw to Lazio, they have a loss to Empoli. So there were a few results in which Gotti could have totally got better, you know, against Empoli and against Torino and against Genoa, you come away with one point. That is unacceptable, to be honest. Um, That's true. I do feel like, however, it was the continuity that really favoured Udinese and made them start perhaps more strongly than, than other teams. Yeah, in, in the league but you know it's interesting I wonder who they'll bring in now because obviously this trophy guy is a caretaker for now yeah. so, th- so they yeah. must bring in someone someone interesting maybe fucking Gianpaolo or fucking Di Francesco Ooh. or one of those guys Ooh. that just come and go every year mm. maybe a bit of a newer face would be a bit exciting but yeah. normally teams like this don't really go for new faces yeah, there are a few managers that just pop in and out of the league every yeah. season yeah like Colantuono <laughs> being, being one of them exactly. um, but yep yeah, Milan second place 39 points just one point behind Inter Udinese 15th on 17 points so the next game took place at the Stadio Maradona between Napoli and Empoli and ended 1-0 to Empoli. What the fuck? So this loss means that Napoli have won only one of their last six Serie A matches, Matt. Did you know that? Did, you, did it, like? Yes, sir. You? Yes, sir. They had a loss to Empoli. They had a loss to Atalanta, a draw to Sassuolo, a win over Lazio, 4-0. Um, a loss to Inter and a draw to Verona, followed by, of course, this loss to Empoli. No, wait, I said that at the beginning. Never mind, scratch that. Now, it took till no problem. It took till the 21st minute for Napoli to register their first shot on target, and it came from Dries Mertens, whose shot on the edge of the area was just too high. In form, Elmas skimmed the bar from a distance shortly after, and in the 62nd minute, Juan Jesus scored after getting on the end of a free kick, but it was eventually varred off due to him being in an offside position. In the 70th minute, Empoli took a corner. Anguissa, who had just come on, headed the ball into Cutrone's face, and the ball found its way into the back of the net, <laughs> a bizarre goal. despite Ospina getting a touch to it. Um, so Cutrone essentially did Milan. A solid over here, the team he loves, the team he has tattooed on his forearm, <laughs> the team that made him into a man, the team that are the reason he has such incredible facial hair. 
<laughs> now, Petania turned and shot right after the goal, after striking the post. You know, Petania has looked solid. He has, he has. He's a Vicario good had a few brilliant moments, a great save on Di Lorenzo, and he pulled off another save and another save, you know, rendering Napoli's relentless press useless. What the fuck, bro? <laughs> what happened? I mean, obviously, Napoli, like you said, in, in six games, I mean, they, they haven't had any luck whatsoever apart from that free game against against Lazio. They're obviously on the dip at the moment. They have AFCON coming up, so I think they will keep on dipping for a while as well. And you come up against a team like Empoli who are just going to give it their all constantly. And we've seen Empoli more than any other team this season cause these upsets and... As much as I would normally be surprised by Napoli losing at home against Empoli, it is surprising, don't get me wrong. But if there was a time it was going to happen, it would be now. And it did happen. Yeah, and injuries hit them really unfortunately for them. Mm. You know, like, the timing was extremely inopportune. Like, granted, there's never a good time for an injury. Of course. But, But, you know, they had Koulibaly, who got injured. You know, after being so good at the back and even actually scoring goals yeah. for them and setting yeah. up goals for them too. They had Fabian Ruiz who scored five goals out of five from out of the area injured too. They had Ozyman who was a pretty much one-man army up there injured too. They lost Anguissa who was literally the heart of the team and they, they lost, lost him at his peak. Like They you know? lost their pillars, their absolute yes. pillars. The only one that, that they didn't was was um, Insignia and, and they lost him for a while as well. I think he was out for, for one match or they were abroad. Yeah. Now granted, for example, Milan had 21 of their 29 senior players injured. Yeah. But it never quite came to the most informed players at the time. You know what I mean? Do you agree with me there? Um, yeah, yes and no at the same time um, because play- players, <laughs> players tend to complement each other really well so if for example I know Leao is injured and Leao normally tends to feed Zlatan then you know Zlatan's going to be affected by that and I think we see that you know a single injury whereas the casual football supporter will tell you ah, they can replace him and the guy I'm sure he'll do yeah. a decent job you know what I mean if Napoli lose their left winger and Insignia, for example, Insignia orchestrates the play from the left for, absolutely, for, for absolutely. Napoli. That's it. That's it. Milan have, for example, if they lose Leao, they have Rebic. If they lose Zlatan, there's Giroud. If they lose Salamakers, there's Messiah, supposedly. Yeah. Now, granted, they all got injured, all yeah. of them, including the backups. But um, when it comes to starting 11 players injured, I think Napoli were, were even unluckier. Yeah, and there's AFCON coming up now, man. They're in some serious they're in trouble. Some, they're in some trouble, yes. I have a friend of mine, Steve, friend of the podcast. He's convinced that Juve will sneak into that top four spot ahead of Napoli by the end of the season, man. Um, okay. You know, I, I had said that at the beginning as well, but I'm not too sure anymore considering the way Juve has been, have been playing. But we'll, we'll talk about that later on. Yeah. Um, I want to highlight Rahmani's performance this game. It He's was been so very, good, very interesting. He had 12 touches in the opposition box. That's one less than Vlaovic had this week. Um, Ibra had the most with 16, just so you know. So goes to show how Napoli were all over Empoli. Empoli hustled, you know, they're a team that does that puts the team before the individual. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's his name? Andrea Zoli always says. He always says that we're a squad of 30 men and we all know when we're gonna play. Bayrami might be the most technically gifted player, Bayrami's gonna play every game. No, but you know and, and he's been benched very often exactly. by Rami because I, I, I picked him up on, on Fanta. 
Grima gave him to me, and then I checked, like, he didn't start the last five games. Holy I was shit. like, bro, quick trade back, and he's like, yeah, we did, <laughs> we did a quick <laughs> trade back. Yeah, um, so it's pretty interesting. It goes to show how hard they were pressing them, you know, they were extremely unlucky not to get anything out of yeah. this. They're very good at absorbing pressure, Empoli. They are, I, they I find are. that in them, and then it's like... They're literally a sponge, so they're getting absorbed and soaked and soaked and soaked. Then you squeeze it and they just explode, bro. On that counter-attack, they're so naughty. Yeah, then you have those young boys, Kutron and Pinamonte, just mm. pressing and pressing and pressing. It's so fun it's to watch. It's a culture team, man. So, Unas, Adam Unas, he had seven key passes this game. The most in this match day. He also had four successful dribbles, the highest this match day, too. Okay. He was also pretty wasteful. He had seven scoring chances, the highest this what? match day, too. Yes. Um, I think he's showing impressive flashes. You know, there was a question: Can this this guy at at um, Crotone mm. do it at Napoli? Because he was yeah. alone from them, and yeah. it goes to show he he fucking can, dude. This he is probably his level. Can. This is his level. Now, when when you look at young players that are just starting to prove themselves or trying to prove themselves, it's always the same thing: that they're technically gifted, they're great at dribbling, they're great at doing this, they're great at doing that, and then the finishing touch would be would be off. We saw that with, for example. Vinicius Jr. at Real for around three years. Now, if you put him in front of the goalkeeper, he's probably going to score, you know what I yeah. mean? So, output is always, like, the last finishing touch that's added to a, a young, aspiring attacking player. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not sure he's too young, though, however. Um, just give me a second. Um, I think he's in his mid-20s, nice. if, I, if I recall correctly. Well, um, that's considered pretty young nowadays. Yeah, 25 years old, oh, exactly. Well, 25. No, I mean, young. he has time to improve. Yeah. Definitely. Now, it's pretty interesting seeing Unas doing well. Um, this was a, I was thinking of, about saving this for a separate segment, but I'm just going to mention it now. Um, remember Croto and Embro? Of course. Their players are still in the league, you know? A, a lot of them yeah. are. A lot yeah. of them are. So, uh, I decided to like take my favorite players that I miss so much, that I miss so dearly, and see where the hell they are right now. So, there's Cordas, of course, who's training with the Champions Inter. He's like yeah. the third choice. <laughs> Luperta has been playing extremely well for Napoli. Yep, agreed, right? agreed. Um, Gigi has been playing much better for Torino too, compared to how he was playing for Crotone. Yeah. Uh, Reca has just come back from injury and is playing well with Spezia. Has one assist in two games. Um, Messias is bowling for Milan. Unas is bowling for Napoli. And Simi, poor Simi, is at Salerno. Yeah, he's he was... kind of underperforming. But do you blame Simi at the end of the day? I think you put Simi in a good team and he's scoring. Yeah. But Salernitana aren't. You need a you need the, you need players off his shoulders. He yeah. doesn't have that. For sure. But anyway, um, I think Napoli should have done better to win this game. They were unlucky, granted. For sure, um, yeah. I think the European exploits might have tired them out. Um, in fact, Empoli ran 117 kilometers. This game, Napoli ran 114 kilometers. Jesus. Yeah, so uh, at the end of the day, a very, very good result for Empoli. Massive result for Milan as well. A massive result for Inter. Everyone except for Napoli fans <laughs> are, are happy with this, I think. So. Um, Napoli find themselves in fourth with 36 points, four points from first, while Empoli find themselves in eighth with My 26 God. points. Let's go! Let's Two go! Two points of a conference league spot. How how many points are they behind Juve? Two. Wow, man. That's yeah, fucking insane. It's mental, to be honest. It is, it is, it is. Can you pass me my charger, bro? Sure, so the next game saw Verona take on Atalanta at home and Verona are good and all but you know there's only one way that game was gonna go. Verona won Atalanta too. So Verona are shifting into quite an impressive side like the side we saw last season. 
There was a slip-up, which saw Verona drop 3 points to Sampdoria and 2 points to struggling Cagliari, but they're coming off an incredible derby comeback away to Venezia. This game saw big injury blows for Hellas, however, they lost Davidovic, rupturing his ACL, and Gunther is also out now during, uh, due to calf problems. Atalanta, on the other hand, came into this game on a five-match winning streak, with victories against Cagliari, Spezia, Juve, Venezia and Napoli. However, much like Milan, they were just knocked out of the Champions League after a 3-2 home loss to Villarreal, but will see themselves having to compete in the Europa League, facing the Greek giants Olympiakos. And their siren. And what? And their siren. Olympiakos. You know, yeah, you know when you oh attack. Oh my god. Remember Milan playing them? That, that was pretty... When you attack against Olympiakos, they ring the siren to destroy. That's pretty fucking scary, man. Yeah, it's That's pretty ki- it's intimidating. Kind of cool, man. Yeah. In the 22nd minute, Cholito, I mean becoming quite inevitable at this point. He managed to finish from a tight angle after a great pass by Faraoni. The Argentines struck the ball on a half volley directly at Musso, but a rare error from Atalanta's number one saw them down 1-0. 12 goals for Cholito this season. A few moments later, a grounded Musso provided a fantastic save to stop Kevin Lasagna, keeping the deficit at just one. A bit after that, a Pasalic strike also smashed the crossbar, denying Atalanta an equaliser. In the 37th minute, Miranchuk netted brilliantly after finding himself in a good position, after Petzella held up play nicely in the box after a Muriel pass. The Russian did a fantastic job to feint past Trasale and placed the ball into Montepo's corner. Game on. As the second half got underway, we saw an opportunity for Verona after Tamez's volley had both Musso and Toloi scrambling on the line, with Verona getting close once again. However, 10 minutes later, a weak clearance by Miguel Veloso landed to Coop Miners just outside the area, whose volley deflected off of Tamez and into the back of the net. It was very unlucky for the Cameroonian international, who was so close to scoring moments earlier. Lucky for Coop Miners, though, who netted his second goal of the season. A nice little gem Gasperini has found there in Coop Miners, I have to hey, say. Hey, man. Quite hey. the coop. He's, <laughs> you say that every single time. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the match ended 2-1 for Atalanta as they extended their winning streak to 6. Next up, they face Mourinho's Roma. How will they fare against Roma? Will it be an easy game or um, a bit more competitive? So Atalanta, right? They're playing yeah, Roma. Yeah. So I think Atalanta will tear them a new one. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. but we're talking four nil. No, no, I don't think. Okay. No, I think okay. I think Atalanta have two goals in that game guaranteed. Yeah, I think Atalanta have two goals guaranteed in every if, single every game. Single man. game. <laughs> I, I would true. never bet again. Atalanta will score in every single game. True, true, that's true. And this was without Malinowski, you know. You, they bring in Miranchuk, and hey, you're like, man. what can he do? Boom goal. And Miranchuk played really well as he's well, a, man. He's a talented player, Miranchuk, especially when he's playing against Mota. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But anyway, um, they have Gossens out still. That's, yeah. that's a guy I'm not looking forward to seeing again, man. Holy shit. They're going to be <laughs> fucking insane with him. Like, they played Petzella this game. And Petzella, in my opinion, isn't that special at all. No, they I'm... They gave Mele a rest, in fact. Yeah, he did a good job in, in the Miranchuk goal. However, uh, he's, he's a bit on the slower side as yeah. well. Um, a bit more. at the end of the Yeah. But but he gets the job done. I feel like Gasparini always makes these wing-backs work in, in some weird True. way. Or Plug and play, baby. Literally. Now, Atalanta are just three points from the top. Out of the top four, they lost to Milan on match day seven, they drew to Inter on match day six, and they beat Napoli on match day 16. These are very impressive stats for Atalanta. 
But does the team have what it takes to go all the way and win honestly, the league? Honestly, um, Atalanta have been top four contenders for the for last a while. three seasons. Three, four seasons, something, I would something say. Something like that. Um, I think that most of the players have remained. So, for example, you look at Toloi, you look at Darun, you look at Muriel, you look at Zapata, whatever. These guys have been there, Gossens as well. They've been there from year yeah. one to beginning, for, yeah. to be honest, for... For Atalanta, I think they can do. I think they can do it. I think they have what it takes. Um, the, those odd freak games. Hey man, they need hey. to iron those out. Because like, if they if they lose three games a season to the top sides and just smash the bottom ones, they're gonna fucking win the league. I feel like they can do that as well. They have the facilities yeah. for it, big time, man. They're the most dangerous team in the league, I would say. Yeah. There's one team I never want to play ever. It's, it's Atalanta. Atalanta, right? Yeah. One hundred percent. They're fucking petrifying when they start going mm. forward, man. Keep them away from. When when Milan beat them three two, three nil, everyone's fucking dancing. Oh my god, we're absolutely destroying Atalanta. Mm. They get these two goals from the 80th minute onwards. They had me shitting myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. me too. They me had too. me shitting myself. Okay, now I'm gonna go on a bit of a rant because Cholito is the third top scorer in the top scorer race behind Vlaovic and Immobile. Cholito has 12 goals, Vlaovic has 15, and Immobile has 13. But Simeone hasn't taken a single penalty this season. And Vlaovic took five and scored five, and Immobile took four and scored three, thus making Cholito the Serie A top scorer from open play. Are you on the hype train? Do you want him at Milan? Should he replace Messi or Lautaro for Argentina? Will there be an erect statue of Cholito outside the Bentegodi? Is Maradona's legacy in trouble? And did his father grope his genitalia to the Juve crowd? Or did he simply frame the tools that created the GOAT of Serie A? What the fuck? Simeone. Yes. We used to take the piss yeah, out fact, of I, this I guy. In fact, I was going to say, I think I just realized that Serie A is shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Twi- that's, that's actually very impressive. Vlaovic has been impressive. nuts. He's, yeah. he's been insane. Chiro is, is consistently mayhem. Like, but for this guy to score 12 goals, he's scored more than them from open play. It's crazy. These guys yeah. get in the box more than him. I guarantee you. And they play for you better that. teams. I guarantee you they yeah. get in the box more than him. Yeah, yeah. And he's taking them on from angles. Like, this, I mean, he had no right to score the goal that he scored in this game. Okay, Musso shot the bed. But, you know, he was in the position to make Musso shit the bed over there. He yeah. made Musso do that. No, he's he's been absolutely incredible, but he's let me stop taking yeah. the piss for a second. He's twenty six years old. Yeah. He's perfectly in time to become a good player. A good player. Yes. Just a solid player, man. Yes. Um would I spend twenty, thirty million on him? Probably not, man. Let the season finish, because I wouldn't yeah. either right now. Yeah. Come January and they say he's yours, pay twenty million yeah. and he's yours. Like nah. No, yeah. no, not 20 million. Not taking that bit. Not, not 20 million, but give me to the end of the season. Yeah. Give me to the end of the season. Because we know that he can sometimes be streaky. We know that. Yeah. But to be honest, he had never gotten started again. And now, and now he's on fire. So I, I have a bit of faith. Is, huh? 
But if at the end of the season he keeps this up, if, if Simeone nets 20 goals, give him to me for 20 million, 100%. If he sure, nets 20, 20 goals. Million, sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's been, he's been impressive. I've never quite seen him like this. He's had good moments, good flashes, good streaks where he's scored quite a few goals, but this is the best we've seen Simeone, I think. I think we've sure. seen his peak. Like. For sure, without a doubt. And I genuinely think his father was framing the tools that. That's incredible, bro, Creative. by the way. You're a poet. Like. That was 20 <laughs> seconds of work. Sure. So another guy that, that always impresses me and, and I've been a fan of his for a while is Davide Faraoni. He yes. has to be, I think, the league's best right back or one of the league's best right back. I think Calabria and Darmian give him a run for his money. Sure. Um, I mean, I'd say, I'd say that Calabria, Di Lorenzo's there. Di Lorenzo's there. good, yeah. Faroni's 30 years old, that's, which, which that's impresses That's exactly me. where I'm getting. Yeah. At 30 years old, do you think there's still a big move on the cards for him? Do you see him, for example, going to Juve or, or going to Winter? Oh, ah, going to Juve would be nice, huh? That would be a nice uh, one. Instead you know, of Danilo. Limited. Le quadrado if, on the wing. If Juve <laughs> don't make Champions League, I can see it happening. Okay, makes you know? sense. He was at Inter, the guy, man. The guy, I, I, I forget that. And then, and then he's a lot your youth. And then he moved he to went Winter. To Winter yeah. And then he was part of that whole Watford Udinese yeah. shit as well. <laughs> he he's seen it all. Yeah. He has seen it all. So he he's been out on loan, Perugia, Novara. He played for Crotone. Between 2012 and 2017, he was sucked into that Udinese Watford world where God. you go and you waste your career. Hotel California, <laughs> man. California. <laughs> Anyway, Atalanta, third, 37 points. That fucking gives me chills and it's scary. Verona, 12th with 23 points. Shooting for that best of the rest position. Now for the next game, we're going to head over to the Stadio per Luigi Penzon, Venezia, where Venezia took on Juve. Beautiful stadium, by the way. It is a lovely, gorgeous stadium. And this game ended Mm 1-1. I got so many upsets this week. Fucking beautiful. <laughs> so, um, Juve came into this game with three wins in a row in all competitions. You know, um, Juve are the side to have beaten Venezia the most in Serie A. They've beaten mm. them 16 times. They haven't lost to another team more. Jesus. Uh, not today. <laughs> so, Juve controlled the flow of the match for the vast majority of mm-hmm. the game. They have know? no problem yeah, doing from, that. From the first whistle, like... Um, the ball went off injured in 15 minutes the, the guy who's going to sign a contract till 2026 and be mm-hmm. made the focal point of the team even though he can't really complete the season he'll play for one year yeah. um, he went off in 15 minutes apparently they had risked him but thankfully there's no like there's no muscle injury nah, it's, it's be, a shame because yeah. he's, he's really good he'll be fine he'll be fine he'll be back I think next game or the game after Yeah. so in the 32nd minute Pellegrini, Pellegrini sorry, did some good work on the left and crossed it to Morata who needed in it was a good goal solid goal and Pellegrini did some good work he's playing really well uh, he vanished he needed he, that he was Morata. really promising he did <laughs> He went to... He did. <laughs> Jesus, bro. That was a banger. Yeah, he needed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pellegrini was basically a promising youth who went to Genoa and didn't really make the team, weirdly mm. enough. Went back to Juve and now he's playing quite well. Um, I've seen some Juve fans are quite happy with him as well. Mm, I've seen some Juve fans that weren't as pleased with him. I think on your on your group chat, there, there was someone who said he, he was dog shit in a game. Really? Oh. Uh-huh. No, yes, um, earlier on. But this game he played particularly well. Mm-hmm. He's been well. pretty good. I, I like him. So, 
Typically, you know, as they often do, Juve dropped deeper after their goal, allowing Venezia more of the ball. Mm-hmm. Oh, fucking Allegri, <laughs> man. In the 55th minute, 10 minutes into the second half, Aramu curled the ball from a distance, beating a fully stretched Chesney. And the scenes were insane. You know, Venice <laughs> erupted, you know, fucking. How? It's football sank, is man, beautiful, you know? man. <laughs> football insane. is beautiful. Um, Juve found it hard to create dangerous chances after this. You know, Quadrado had the best opportunity as he found some space to drive, but he perhaps selfishly chose to go for the far corner instead of squaring it. I believe there was Kai George uh, mm, wide probably. open. Yeah, or one of them, was wide open. So Juve struggled, Venezia had a few more dangerous moments, but Chesney kept Juve in it. Um, Bernadeschi later on forced Romero into a fine save on a volley. Perhaps he should have given it some direction as well as power, as he had time, to be honest, to angle himself. Yeah. Uh, but he went for power and Romero pulled off a pretty impressive save. So Venezia's three-game losing streak comes to an end. Um, they had previously scored three and conceded ten, so this is a very positive result for them. Um, as they hover above that relegation pool. Um, where, where do you even begin, man? What do you think the problem was this game for Juve, bro? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. I feel like it's always the same story with Juve. I don't think there's a unique issue on the table right now. I think the issue that they faced against Venezia is the same issue they faced in the beginning of the season and is the same issue they continue to face for the entirety of the season so far. Yeah. It is simply a case that, that the team is built around a system that it, it, it's not made for. You, yeah, you, yes, have yourself, you have yourself playing players on the wing like Rabiot who never dreamed of playing on the wing in, in his life. Allegri seemed to tweak that this game. He went for kind of a 4-2-3-1. He had Locatelli and Rabiot on a double That's because Bernard's back. Yeah, That's he played cool. Bernardeschi and Quadrado out uh-huh. wide. So it's kind of a more... He played wingers. Yeah, but and then at the end of the day, like this, he also solves that whole lack of striker thing because I think when Morata plays as a solo striker, he performs better than a duo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he tends to get clumsy with another player next to him rather than you know just owning the space. He's got good pace, and and this way he he does manage to show it a little bit. So mm-hmm. I prefer Morata in a formation when there's one striker as well. But then there's always the debate of if you have one striker up top, you don't want it to be Morata. Yeah. You want it to be someone. Better. Better. But it's it's um, yeah. I don't think the team is built for the system it has in place. I think it's simply something that takes a little bit of time. I think if you give Allegri time, he'll be able to pull the strings with Juve, and they'll be. I mean, within the next few seasons, Juve will be back where they were. I think they'll be fighting for for Scudetti very very soon. We just need to give Allegri some time, and so long as Allegri would want to stay, Juve would want Allegri to stay. My question or my my observation rather is that this game started off well for Juve and Allegri ruined it okay what what, what makes you think that where there's substitutions they, or? they scored and they sat back yeah and that that drop in intensity is either going to be blamed on fatigue which I don't think it is mm-hmm. because the second they conceded they started what minute again. did you say Juve's goal was Juve scored pretty early on. It was in the 32nd minute, you know, and then they dropped off completely. From the 32nd minute on? Yes, right after. I mean, in the second half, they came out a bit different, but for the end of the first half, they were just shithousing. Mm -hmm. And and who who replaced the Bala when when the Bala came off injured? There it is, Kai George. Yeah, Kai Kai George, George, exactly, the young young Brazilian. Okay, I'd, I'd like to 
see a bit more of him. I, I want to actually have an opinion on Kyle yeah, George. I don't, I, I don't have an opinion. Hey, I, I know he was close to, to joining Milan, so I watched a few reels and said this guy is really good. But, <laughs> you know, I need to see the, the man in action a little bit. I, I think he has it in him. We'll, we'll yeah. see, though. I love... I fucking love Venezia, bro. I really hope they survive. I fucking adore how they started quite slow in the beginning. Like it was very much. I thought they were yeah, they, guaranteed they along with Salernitana. Yes, man. But there was that fucking red card yeah, in, yeah, in that yeah, game. Yeah. It was utter shit. Like, um, and I had. And there's the whole argument of Salernitana, no Venezia more than yeah. any other team in this area. But yeah, I mean, are you uh, done with I this think game that's or it right now? I'll just pull out the table. And give you an update on that. Um, currently, Juventus find themselves in 7th with 28 points. As Venezia hover above the relegation pool in 16th with 16 points. Hey, Guys, bear with me because I'm fucking trashed. I just <laughs> realized like it's terrible. Yeah, this, is, this is hitting. Huh? Yeah, it's, it, it slaps. What, none of Joe got us this. What was this? No, I believe you picked this up, brother. Oh, I did pick that up. Look yeah. at that, your We've boy. We've got some Cabernet Sauvignon. Fantastic. You can never go wrong. Um, Liba, for, for a second, I thought you were pouring white wine into my red wine. Okay, so the next game, Fiorentina versus utter bullshit dog wank. Um, I'm Salernitana, in another <laughs> word. <laughs> Fiorentina won 4-0, very expected, I would say. They're coming off two very expected wins against Sampdoria and Bologna, maintaining their impressive start to the campaign, while Salernitana, on the other hand, to cut them some slack. Uh, they had a run of very unfortunate fixtures, facing Juve, Milan and Fiorentina in a row, losing by an aggregate of 8-0. I mean, that is exactly what we would have predicted. In the 31st minute, Bonaventura, with a first-time half-volley from outside the area, with the outside of his foot, Wonderful technique from the veteran. Belek got a significant touch to it, but did manage to keep it out. The scenes were immaculate. Bonaventura ran up to the fans. The speakers were blasting. It's always a vibe when this It's a fucking party when Fiorentina score, man. You know, Bonaventura has been involved in five Serie A goals this season, two goals and three assists. That's as many as he had in the whole 2020-2021 campaign, but in half the appearances. 17 versus 34. Oh. Bonaventura, baby. Okay. Bonaventura, baby. The score was 1-0 at halftime. Vlaovic seemed to be hurt after getting clipped in the box, but recovered well. And Belek also produced a good save off a Callejon header. Beragi's poor rebound was directed straight at him and then up. Double save nonetheless, though, for Belek, I guess. Yeah. In the 51st minute, then, Vlaovic scored an absolute worldie. Duncan played the ball to the Serbian, who, from the edge of the area, still had so much to do, was being tightly marked by Bogdan. Vlaovic shielded the ball from his opponent as he spotted the keeper off his line and lobbed the ball over him in great fashion. It wasn't quite a chip, but it was like a floating, dipping strike, which Belek could do absolutely nothing about. I hated seeing Bogdan direct his frustration to Belek, like Belek made a mistake or some shit. The defender should concentrate on not letting the league's top scorer get a shot away. I hate this shit, yeah. um, but whatever. The next goal came in the 84th minute, another goal by Vlaovic. This time, Sotil put it on a silver platter for him after he handed 2 euro to Chari to go buy him a chewing gum, a cigarette and a pack of Yu-Gi-Oh's. 
Shari obliged as Sotil got to the byline and scored the ball to Duzan, who netted his second of the match. Brilliant. That, in other words, is that he basically embarrassed him. He basically like turned and he stayed rooted to the spot. It was crazy. Nice. They still had some left in the tank. 91st minute, Male even got his name to the score sheet after Vlaovic's shot was saved by Belek, but into the part of the 23-year-old who netted no problem whatsoever. We fucking mentioned this guy on our last episode that we did together. Did Mala. we? Yeah, yeah I, I mentioned him. I said uh, I called him the number fourteen who isn't bad man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there I he remember is. the number fourteen who isn't him, bad. We spoke him into existence. <laughs> remember the name, guys. The number fourteen who isn't bad. Scouted by Seiya Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> now the fact that Fiorentina are good this season is solely down to the change in management I would say I, I agree with that because yes. they were bad last season yeah, and, and Yakini was fucking ass yeah um, at just 44 years of age do you see the guy getting himself a, a big money move oh yes yes I do I think Italiano if he keeps this up it's inevitable almost you know I, I think definitely clubs will be interested in him then yeah. the question is, how will he do with his first spell at a big club? You know, that, that would be the, the deciding factor. Can he, can he spend a full season and mm-hmm. earn their trust for another mm-hmm. one? You know, if not, then I can see him maybe falling back a little yeah. bit. Yeah, my interest is I want to see him over two seasons at Fiorentina because he had a really good start. Yeah. And yeah. I want to see if he could keep that fifth spot. If he keeps that fifth spot for the rest of the season, the man has done way more than he should have done ever at Fiorentina. So now it's about, I think he might maybe struggle. The the worry that I get is because he's not experienced at the highest level, having a team at the highest level, Mm -hmm. having a team in this area, that's top five, you know what I mean? Part of the seven sisters. But every top coach has to do that for a first time. Exactly. He's he's young enough to do it. Exactly, Um, that's my point. Still at 44, he's going to be great. And I see him one day, I'm talking the type of manager to win like four Scudetti with Juve. I think he'll be... He's a genius, man. He's really good. He's a genius. And I see him moving to a team like Juve, or I really see him at Inter, for example. He'd be so fucking good at Inter, man. Or maybe abroad, man. Fucking don't. Imagine. Imagine, imagine like a Barcelona fucking during their like revitally, like comeback years after their banter year, and they bring in Italiano, who'll be what, like 57? Mm. Then, like. Imagine he becomes a bit of a cappello, he ends up with the English national team, like, (laughs) as as they crash out. We shall see and revisit this episode. Yes. Um, Ribéry had the number seven shaved into his head. What does this <laughs> signify? How many minutes of football he's fit to play or the amount of times he's fucked an underage prostitute? <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's getting clipped. <laughs> definitely, definitely, one hundred percent. Ribery's always been so so eccentric, eh? Even the shit he wears when they film him when he's injured, which is half the time, and they film mm-hmm. him in the stands. First of all, you're forty, bro. Second of all, you're wearing thirty-eight. Jesus yeah. Christ! I like I knew he was old. He wears fuck. like full pink tracksuits with like polka uh-huh. dots, like I've really seen. colorful, weird. Shit, all, right? all respect to Ribery. He's he's one one of this era's greats. Like I think the past ten years, alongside. Like the Iniestas, the Xavi's, the Messi's, the Ronaldo's, that kind of era, you know what I mean? He was good. He was, he was very good though. 
He won a Champions League with Bayern. No, yeah, he, he was in that team. Like, yeah, and he did he bits was, for yeah. France as yeah. well. He he was close to winning a Ballon d'Or. He was yeah. livid that he didn't win the Ballon d'Or. He got men's best player, then he didn't get the Ballon d'Or. He was fuming, bro. Um, but a uh, great player. But yeah, I think thirty-eight years old. Uh, I'd rather be seeing him at a slightly larger team, and he kind of comes on sometimes as the legend card. You know, you know what I you mean. Know, rather than starting at Salernitana, it's just sad almost to see. Fair, fair enough. That's interesting. I'm um, keeping him to bring him on the last mm-hmm. ten minutes of a game or last fifteen minutes would be actually pretty interesting. But I think if he wants to play regularly, he's at the level he's warranted. Like he's. He doesn't have his legs anymore, man. No, no. I, I no. expect him to I retire very so. soon. And and maybe it's him. I don't know if it would be like him settling. I don't think he's working his ass off, you know. Yeah. I don't think he has the drive that he had before when he was playing Champions League football for yeah. Bayern. It, it must be a bit of a rude awakening for him. Um, he probably sees Zlatan do it and Ronaldo do it and he's yeah. a bit pissed off. But he's like, oh, I can. <laughs> um, if you could take one player from Salernitana, who would it be and why? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I know um, what you're gonna say. No, I'm not gonna say. You think I'm gonna say Simi? I think I think you'll say Simi. I just the I'm, striker I'm, problem at me. I'm not gonna have, say Simi. Have another six foot fucking tank. Hmm. Six foot six, Jesus. It's a de- it's definitely a difficult choice because there isn't much like. No, not at um, all. I would take Kulibali, dude. The one that can shoot. <laughs> <laughs> There's Belek who wouldn't be bad as a number two. Well. Sure, I guess. Belek is decent. He, you know, he could he have good. kept out yes, Bonaventura's goal the other the other day. Like it was a great volley by Bonaventura, but he yeah. got a solid hand to it. I feel like if he got that much contact, that his palm was literally covering the ball, and he should have kept it out. Yeah, probably. Um, no, he's really good, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I wouldn't take him out. But yeah, Kulibaly, the one that can one, shoot, yeah. is uh, suffices as an answer. Yes. Um, Fiorentina fifth with thirty points. Salernitana twentieth with eight points. Eight. Eight points. Yeah. Okay, so the next game. How are we an hour and five minutes in? Holy already? shit. shit. Right let's back. go, let's go. So, <laughs> so the next game took place at the Mape Stadium between Sassuolo and Lazio, which ended 2 1 for the host. We went there. That's the third <laughs> comeback in three games for Sassuolo. Um, only eight of Lazio's 25 points have come from home. Um, Jesus. Sassuolo confirmed their first ever back-to-back win against Lazio. Okay. Sassuolo have salvaged 11 points from being 1-0 down this season. Oh my god. Yes, and for this game, of course, Milinkovic, Savic and Luis Alberto were out for Lazio and um, Sarri decided to bench Philip Anderson playing Zaccani and Pedro mm-hmm. um, on the wings. So in the sixth minute, Pedro drove into the box and squared it to Zaccani, who found the back of the net, his first goal for Lazio. And he celebrated um, with a bow and arrow against, you know, the team I called Robin Hood recently. Mm. Um, they steal from the rich and give to the oh poor. Oh my God, he yeah. saw your tweet. He saw my tweet and he celebrated like it. Thank you. <laughs> Raspadori forced Strakosha into a pretty simple save before the break and that was it. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> a long half. story short, yeah. man. So the second half began with Skamaka and Berardi knocking. Um, in the 63rd minute, Berardi faked and released a curled rocket from out of the area, beating three Lazio players and the goalkeeper. What a goal. In the 69th minute, just moments later, it was Berardi again who was twisting and turning just outside the area and driving into the box um, when Raspadori just took the ball off him and just shot it first time <laughs> while Berardi was still in possession. And Berardi looked happy. About that, to be honest, he just wanted the goal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted the goal for Sassuolo's and not yeah. for himself. 
In the 87th minute, there was quite a lot of drama. Um, Ayhan got a red card for dropping Muri'i. Just, just let him go, man. Yeah. He's not yeah. He's not that good, man. No. <laughs> he's not going to fucking score. So just after that, um, Buzic <laughs> took the free kick and he hit the crossbar. Um, it bounced like off the line and back into play. Lazio thought it had crossed the line and they protested. But the referee wasn't having any of it. As the 87th minute, God knows yeah. how they protested. They were fucking freaking <laughs> out, bro. There's a fucking hilarious drift, like. <laughs> but anyway, and then eventually the match ended. And once again, we're here discussing Lazio's depth, man. And how they, they don't have enough players, man. And the Swallow are good, man. The Swallow are good, but Murray isn't good enough to be the second striker, man. And but that fucking sums it up. Like, it, it does. It, like, mean, we're saying it time and time again because it actually is the case. Yes. There's not much to add. There is one issue which isn't easy to solve, and it's onboarding players who are going to be used to replace other players when they're hurt. Not the simplest of tasks. There's a new system in place, and. Much like we talked about Juve, do the players fit the system? Um, we know that Sarri Ball might take an extra season yeah. or two than, than other teams. So I would personally stick by a manager like so even though I'm literally like scared he'll die. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd sign him on for two years and let full yeah. Sarri Ball come into effect. Let him change things around as well. Like He says he's not happy with Luis Alberto's attitude. If his, if his attitude is off, he's a great player. But if his attitude's off, then he's out. Oh my God, have you heard... Fucking Luis Alberto's being linked in a swap move to Juventus for Arthur going the other way. Because apparently Sarri signed Arthur at Juve. And yes. apparently Arthur is valued at 60 million and yes. Luis Alberto is valued at 40 million, bro. How the fuck is that right? Like, that I, can't be right. I get why Sarri would want him. It's because he's wanted him before and he signed him before. And I but guess he just he views Luis Alberto as a parasite and he just wants to kick him out. He doesn't give a fuck. Like, Jesus Christ, that would be so good for you, man. That would be, that would be so you, good Holy for fuck, you. Like, that's terrifying. As a Luis Alberto Locatelli in the midfield. Suddenly from having jack shit, they have a yeah. solid midfield. Like. And then, man, lots you can play Akpa, Akpro, fucking <laughs> Arthur and Buzic, bro. That'd be My God. Do something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, is there a chance that you get sacked? Uh, yes. You think so? I think. I like, I, I hope. I hope he doesn't. But I think if where are they right now, Lazio? They they must be down at like eighth or ninth. No. Lazio are currently ninth with yep. twenty five points. Yep. If, if if within the next ten games, like he's he's still so somewhere the full there. Season though, essentially. Yeah. If if yeah, basically if they stay there, they're in. He's in trouble. Mm-hmm. He's in trouble. Okay. Like I think at I least think what the they would expect is, is Conference League. I think the season is a guarantee though, and probably even next season without anything. The if season they don't get Europe, I think they'll hold on to. The anyway. season is weird because Fiorentina are outperforming themselves, mm-hmm. so there's like an extra seventh sister. Before they were kind of used to that seventh spot, but they are Empoli above them as well yeah. by by a point. <laughs> by a point. Fucking so that's as Zoli's enough, you know? balls, bro. You're the sitting Andrea. there on top of Sari's fucking. Sari balls as well. Andrea Zoli's balls. We Everyone's just balls just piled on balls. each other. Um, cool, man. That's basically it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I have, I have one more question. Um, do you think that Raspadori will eventually start ahead of Skamaka when Boga comes back? I think that I worded it that way because I believe that is your opinion. 
it's weird. So I think there'll be heavy rotation in play with these two. Um, I personally, if I were the manager, I would start Skamaka. Yes, I, I think I think he's he's more dangerous and and he's more reliable as well in the long mm-hmm. term. Um, he's less streaky and and he very much has one technique that he's very good at, which is in the air, his control of the ball as well. Um, I would personally choose Skamaka, but one thing I've realized is Dionisi always finds a way to involve Raspadori in the team. Be it as a striker, be it as a left winger, be it as an attacking midfielder. Towards the end of his stay, yeah. he was really yeah. using but he, they, they want to play him. They want yes. to play Even him. Even in the Italian national team, they make use of him. It's mm. it's weird. I, I think coaches really like him. They must see something in him. I, yeah, he pro- he's quite good to be honest. He reminds me of like a little Aguero the way he moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get I get what you mean. I remember I, in the beginning of the season, I was saying he, he had this goal that was so Pato esque, man. Oh and yeah, I just, and, and I just kept on saying, and then in fact I, I picked him up on Fanta because yeah, yeah. of that. I said like, all right, he's he's gonna be lit. Um, Has he been lit, brother? So he, you know what? He he hasn't been getting many goals. He hasn't been getting many assists. But when it comes to his performances, they've been good. They've been yeah. decent performances. So he's um, a six point five kind of player. Exactly. Right? Well, he, he tends to get a yellow here and there as well. Cool. So like I've I've gotten five point five from from him, but. No, he's. I, I like watching him. I think he's got a bit of flair to him as well. And yeah, he's overall a good player. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see who starts. But I think it will be heavy rotation with Skamaka slightly preferred though. Yes. Let's move on to the next one. Okay, so the next game is Roma 2, Spezia 0. So Roma are coming off a humiliating 3-0 home loss to Inter. Whilst also losing Zaniolo and uh, El Sharawi to injury as they join Pellegrini and Spinazzola on the injury list. Spezia were coming off an impressive 2-2 draw to inform Sassuolo, but found themselves winless in their last four, and now with this game, five, with all the games apart from the Sassuolo one being losses against very strong opposition. This match saw the reunion of Jose Mourinho and Thiago Motta. Motta featured eight times for Mourinho in Inter's 2010 Champions League success, after after Mourinho signed him and his teammate Diego Melito from Genoa. The rest, quite frankly, is history. The scoring was opened in the sixth minute of the match, where Smalling headed home after a corner from Veretout, found the head of Abraham, who headed it goalwards, um, and was met by his fellow countryman Smalling, who changed the direction of the ball with his header, giving Provadel no chance at stopping that. In the 48th minute, Mkhitaryan crossed the ball to Tammy, who attempted to chest the ball into the back of the net, but once again, for the 12th millionth time this season, saw his attempt hit the crossbar. That <laughs> You know, apparently him and Messi have hit the, cross, the post the most times this season. Jesus. Yeah, I, I, I knew, I knew Abraham, I didn't know about no, six, Messi. Six or seven times. It's, like it's crazy, but the number I gave 12 million is an accurate number, yeah, by the way. 12 million is, is the stat. Yeah. Veretout <laughs> <laughs> then followed through with the rebound, which was deflected off Provadel and off the line by Ehrlich, so quite a bit of drama over there. In the beginning of the second half, Motta brought on Verde, Agudelo and Bastone. Jesus Christ, even Spezia have better squad depth than Lazio. <laughs> Fucking right, brother. Lazio wish they could bring on those players. Hey, man. Hey. In the 56th minute, another corner by Veretout met the head of Roger Ibanez, who escaped his marker and provided a bullet header into the back of the net. I like this guy, and I hope he gets his Italian citizenship. Study, bro. I'm sure you'll pass the test. You'll be fine. 
A few moments later, Spezia almost got one back after Bastoni crossed the ball into the box from a free kick which was not cleared by Roma. And the ball fell to Manai, who had little left to do, but Karsdorp provided a gorgeous last-second tackle. Ehrlich managed to give the ball back to Manai, who was denied brilliantly by an outstretched Patricio. Uh, then the ball fell between Jassi and Manai once again. This time Jassi tried to tried to score, but you know shot the ball out. Manai was furious that Jassi took the shot rather than himself, um, as he's a firm believer in the phrase third time's a charm, I guess. Just let Jassi take the shot, bro. He missed twice. That was a bad miss though. Yeah, no, it was te- it was terrible. But there was a miscommunication, yeah. like so. That's that's. Jazzy what was happened. pissed as well. Huh? Yeah. By the way, did you see Jazzy tackle on fucking what's his name on um, John? Well, I watched the game, yeah. but but I I don't At recall. Towards the end, Jazzy, who has been mm. left out of the national team in the in the place of fucking John, the Roma midfielder, mm. apparently, he fucking tackled the oh, shit hey, out yeah. of him like he fucking went in hard on him. It's fucking mental. Yeah. He looked uh, like he wanted to hurt. But him. on the topic of Felix Afena John, mm-hmm. remember him. I remember, man. You know what I mean? That guy yeah. that scored two after coming off the bench against Genoa. He got absolutely humiliated, man. He came off the bench <laughs> again this time, got booked six minutes later, and in the 93rd minute, controlled the ball with his hand blatantly, bro, blatantly, like where's the non for France against Ireland, and slammed the ball into the back of the net. The whistle went off. Everyone heard the whistle, like, <laughs> and he went off to celebrate in front of the Roma fans who knew that the goal wouldn't stand. So and he's there with his arms open, like, you see what I just fucking did, man? I don't give a fuck. And they're all looking behind him. My God, it's talk so about talk about praise hitting you badly, man. Mm-hmm. The guy can't take a compliment. No. He got his second yellow card of the match for handling the ball and thus a red, and he misses the Atalanta game. Mourinho was livid. He was fuming, bro. <laughs> but you know what that is, man? That's that's a player fighting, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. He just wants I get to it. win. Yeah, like. but, but come on, come on. Don't cheat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And try to play it off. And yeah. If, like you heard the whistle just yeah. like everyone and, and else. look at the faces of the fans man hey man <laughs> you could have realized. the commentator was like yeah. is anyone gonna tell him <laughs> <laughs> so Roma won yeah. they won 2-0 against Spezia but in my opinion it was far from convincing for Roma firstly they're against a struggling Spezia side who and Roma didn't manage to get a single goal from open play in this game but from two corners so we all know they have Two centre-backs in, in Smalling and the Banyas who can hit the ball. And then they have and Tammy they have, Abraham as well. Who not can. to mention Mourinho as a manager, man, who literally yeah. wins yeah. games off of set pieces like this. Like, literally. you see this game, two corners fucking led to goals, man. Mm-hmm. That's how they won the game, yeah, like, corners, I, convincingly. I, I, understand, I understand that corners are a part and, and set plays are a part of their arsenal and it's to be respected. Um, I would like to see them get more goals from open play, though. Genuinely, yeah, that's just not his style, though. You know, I yeah. mean, you see, you see a lot of individual attempts. You see, they're so fucking mm-hmm. solid and conservative yeah. when it comes to their play. But like, I you w- see, like Mkhitaryan charging up, or you see like, yeah. Zaniolo doing the same mm-hmm. thing. But I was gonna get to this. Basically, the reason I said Roma didn't do that great in this game is they obviously also have injury pl- problems right now but from a starting 11 aspect where would Roma rank do you think in terms of quality in the league so out of all the teams in Serie A where do Roma rank as a starting 11 um, obviously yeah. full squad imaginary full squad so Pellegrini is there Zaniolo on the right 7th 
7th. So uh, Inter, uh, Milan, Atalanta, Napoli. Yeah, fucking Lazio, I'd even argue, starting 11 only. Starting 11 only. No, I think Roma have a better starting 11 than I'm Lazio. I'm not sure about that, brother. They've got the likes of fucking individuals. Like, they have they have the centre-backs. Uh, you have a cherry you have fucking... What's his name? Luis Felipe, who's really good. You have know, Lazzari. There's Luis Alberto, there's yeah, Milinkovic Savic, exactly. there's Immobile. Yes. It's a crazy team. It Don't is. get me wrong. Roma have a very good team, though. They do have a good team. Roma have a brilliant team. They have Veretu, Pellegrini, they have Zaniolo, they have Tammy Abraham. Depth-wise, they they're better than Lazio. For sure. For sure. I, I rate their, their team. Mm-hmm. Um, is Tammy in desperate need of a striking partner? Um... Because so the way it's working right now with with the injuries that they have, they've they've opted for a three five two, because they literally don't have depth in the in the defense, um, and they opted to play in a three five two and up front alongside Tammy. They're either playing Shomorodov or yeah. Borja. I prefer Shomorodov alongside Tammy, by the way. Then then Borja. Yeah, yeah. I quite like Borja. Next I, like to, I haven't seen it enough, but uh-huh. I, I'd imagine it working. I like Borja uh, Mayral. He's not mm-hmm. bad at all, but as a striking partner, I think Shomorodov is, is interesting. I think Tammy could do with a, got two big with boys, a striking hey, partner, huh? with mm-hmm. someone who's maybe a little bit more creative, a little mm-hmm. bit more expressive with his play. To just link up with him, you know, so Tammy can hold up, play for him, yeah. and, you know, lay him off. Yeah, sure. that's, that's why I say Skamaka alongside Raspadori would work. Yeah, oh, they play with two fair. up front. But then you have the frill only covering. Yeah, anyway. true. Um, so, yeah, do you think Tam- Tammy, it would be it would be good for Roma to do some some fishing in the January market, try to get a striker up there? Do you think that would be a priority for Roma? I think it would be. I think it would be. A centre back wouldn't hurt them, definitely. Um, they're gonna get Spinazzola back, so yeah, I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I think a striker is the way to go for them. Man. I agree. I agree. I think a, a striker should be on the cards. Quite a lot of cash. Maybe, them. maybe they should increase their depth in the center midfield department. Yeah, that would I think that would be that would be a good one as well. Um, did you hear what Mourinho told Cristante? He told him like, calm down with the referees, man. He's like, you're not Bonucci. Him, he not, said that. Yeah, he said that to him. You're not Bonnetri. He told him that. It's, it's all over social media. Like. Okay. I um, mean, two, he's right. two characters, you yeah. know what I mean? And, and Mourinho and Bonucci, they're both exciting in their own ways, <laughs> I guess. He called him out. He called him out. I mean, out, Bonucci is very intimidating with the referees. Yeah. So now I have some questions about Spezia. So Spezia are struggling um, as they keep nearing that relegation zone. It's like every time they lose, the teams under them are losing as well. Yeah, so they're getting they're, these. They're getting a few favors done. Yeah. Um, where do you think Motta stands right now? You know, the team need to survive. So there's there's two options that they have, which is either you got this guy for a reason. He knows the players. He knows the team. He just needs some more time. But then they, they don't have time because they can get relegated, which is a problem. But there's still a long time left to the season. Motta is lucky that the teams below him are so bad. Because he'd, he'd already be out. But like I can imagine Genoa getting two wins and suddenly yeah, suddenly Spezia and relegation. I don't see Motta surviving this season. I was quite adamant on it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I was excited to see how, how it was going to work out from their muscle memory with yeah. Italiano adapting under Motta because he's all quirky with his ideas with the whole playing 9-2 or <laughs> some weird ass formation. I think he's punching above his weight for sure. For sure. Mm. I, think, I think the t- three teams below him have better managers. Ooh, you, okay, 
I'm Shevchenko, Mazzari, and Colantuono, man. The three managers yeah. better You're than Motta. Right. You're probably you know, right. Motta's yeah. so Motta's fucking the underqualified. New kid, new kid on the block, eh? Yeah. But then again, so was Zinedine Zidane, and so well, was Pep yes, Guardiola, sure. and, and so... I I never just start talking shit about a manager that's just coming into the game because even for example like Gerard what he's no, doing at he's the expli- moment sure but Gerard went and like already grinded for sure he went to the Scottish league no but, but I, I don't no he's he's with Aston Villa now and no, he's doing yes, bits he worked his way up. but yeah but, yeah with Rangers but earlier. let's take a look for example at fucking what's his name Motta no Motta's like he he's not doing good. He's not doing good. But I'm just saying, as soon as a young manager comes in, I never say, no, they shouldn't be getting a young yeah. manager. You know what I mean? No, I want to see his managerial history. One sec. I think he was at PSG, like a, like a, like an interim. Um, teams managed. Yes, he managed Paris Saint-Germain's under-19s. Under okay. He managed Genoa in 2019, and now he's managing Spezia. Like, how did he go from the under-19s to a Serie A team? Yeah. And then yeah. he took two years off and he's back at another Serie A yeah, it's, team. It's it people undervaluing, undervaluing the, the Serie A. Yeah. Um, who has the better left foot, Verde or Bastoni? Hmm. This game, Bastoni. Yeah. In general, Verde. Mm-hmm. I agree. Romar, 7th with 28 points. Spezia, 17th with 12. Highway to the danger zone. So the next game, one of my favorite games of the weekend, was the 77th edition of the Derby della Lanterna between Genoa and Sampdoria. Which Jesus, how how didn't how wasn't this bumped up the Derby della Lanterna? Why isn't it one of the first games we spoke about? Because I put uh, I don't know. I thought it would be a good idea to talk about the big teams first. Ah, you know? okay, okay, yeah. fair enough. Oh, but if you're derby. still listening, you're a man of culture or Literally, a woman of or culture. a woman of culture. So it ended three-one to Sampdoria. It was absolutely crazy. Um, Genoa um, have been in the CIA, by the way, for 14 years now. Because now they're actually in danger of falling. Wow. Like they, always, they said they'll, they'll um, reinforce their team in January, but we'll, we'll see. Now, this was the first win in three CIA matches for Sampdoria. The game kicked off and instantly Sturaro's eyes got fucked. Like. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Giuseppe Marotta for the rest of the fucking game. <laughs> You know, he got, it looked quite bad, actually. Um, there was a flare on the pitch at one point. It was absolutely crazy, man. In the seventh minute, Kondreva crossed it into space between the statues of Genoa and Gabbiadini pounced, making it three in three for himself. It was all Sampdoria. Um, halftime approached, and I guess Genoa could say that they restricted Sampdoria to one shot on target in the first half. Is that really an achievement? Probably not, especially in a derby. <laughs> Genoa failed to register a single shot exactly, but Hernani in the second half, um, in the 49th minute, should have equalized, but he blazed the ball over. <laughs> in the 49th minute, Sirigu failed to handle Kondreva's cross and spilt it into the path of Caputo, who slotted it home. In the 67th minute, there was a VAR check. Gabbiadini's deflected goal off of Van Houston stood. It counted. Yep. In the 78th minute, Destro removed Sampdoria's clean sheet with an authoritative header, um, thanks to a Cambiasso assist. Good to have him back, He man. doesn't care if it's 3-1, you know, if they're losing 3-1, he's going to celebrate Destro. Yeah. He doesn't give yeah. a fuck. No, Destro's, Destro's a straight-up a vibe, man. He's he a loves vibe. scoring. He just loves scoring. Um, it was a crazy game, and I really enjoyed it, Matt. Yep, I agree. I agree. The, the Derby that Lanterna is always an, an enjoyable one in particular. I feel like it carries so much culture to it with both teams having a rich history. Um, and yeah, now now they're two hustlers. Obviously, Sampdoria and I would have a better position than Genoa, even though they had their scares this season as well. Um, but 
you know, Sampdoria are winning some, some, you know, games they should be winning now, which is good to see, although at the same time not much of an achievement, but hopefully they, keep on, they can keep on getting these three points against the lower-ranked teams. Yeah, definitely. Shevchenko got his first win today against Salernitana in the Coppa Italia, 1-0 oh, thanks nice. to an Ekuban goal. In okay, Ekuban. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, now, congrats, Sheva. Josh Wonder, CEO, 777 Partners. Owners of Genoa. Uh huh. They just took over. And this is a quote from Je- Josh Wonder at the end of the game. He said, We are disappointed, but to make process, we have to accept the pain. We will do everything we can in January to. I'm fucked. In the January market to improve the club with the general manager and Mr. Shevchenko. Okay, so they seem like they're, they're going to stay with Shevchenko. That's great. Great news. Yeah. Now, um, he introduced himself to the microphones of Dazen after the 3-1 defeat against Sampdoria And he said you aren't always unhappy to lose, especially in a derby I know it probably sounds crazy, but in the future We will look back at this day as a great day for the fans too We lost, but we hired a general manager who has the background and the pedigree To build what we want to do with Genoa and to achieve our goals it's, it's a ridiculous phrase for today, but in the long run, it's a good day for Genoa. Yeah, I'm, I'm just seeing as well, I have the, the stats up in the Genoa-Sampdoria game. Like, Genoa lost, but this is something we, we rarely see from Genoa. They had 422 passes, 75% pass accuracy, um, and 54% ball possession. So the fact that they're getting on the ball is already an improvement. From, yeah, but from granted, half this game, Sampdoria was defending. Yeah, yeah, that, that's. I mean, it, it's a derby, so this yeah. this be, make make it no secret. This could have gone either way, nonetheless. But Sampdoria had the upper hand; they have more quality in the team as well. And it's, it's good to see them get three wins in their last five. Sampdoria. Yeah. The Versa came out at the end of the game, and he said, "We must play every match as if it were the derby." Mm. Good answer, bro. Really Very expressive. good answer. Yep, yep. It's it's not an option on career yeah. mode to like choose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I want to highlight the performance of Van Houston, who's we, on loan from Inter. We praised, well, I praised him actually on episode one. Yeah, another one. When they, lost by four nil. <laughs> when they lost 4 0 to Inter, he was the only one with like, I think he had 12 ball recoveries. It was crazy. Yeah. He had five recoveries against Sampdoria, two interceptions, one shot blocked, two out of two tackles, zero times dribbled, 10 out of 13 duels won, six out of seven of them were in the air. He had 68 touches, 39 of his 52 passes were completed, leaving him with a percentage of 75%. Um, He had six out of 11 successful long balls. Um, That's pretty impressive because half these long balls were just clearances. Yeah. 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 Um he one shot, he had one shot and he hit the post once too. Man, I I'll like let's keep tabs on him, let's see how he progresses. That would be interesting to see. He seems like he's got like this isn't the first time we're talking about <laughs> him. Um so I'm also a fan of Cambiasso, by the way. Very yeah, Cambiasso Cambiasso has been really good yeah. and needs to be addressed. Um so the next and final game for this round, thank fuck because we're way over time. Um, Torino 2, Bologna 1 So Torino were coming off a very disappointing 1-1 draw to Cagliari And still needed to make due without their captain Gallo And will have to for a while um, Bologna coming off a 3-2 home loss to Fiorentina But before that getting an impressive victory against Roma So, you know, good um, The battle of the best of the rest, basically this team This this match, I think Torino against Bologna I think pretty much yeah. 
could the be. The best of the rest is a good way of putting it. Yeah. They're just outside. Like They're a mid-table team. Um, exactly. Mahalo said that Sassuolo, Torino and Bologna are all on the same level. Antonio, exactly. I agree. I agree, I agree yeah. with that. They're, they're very different, but I'd say levels, they're, they're pretty similar. Um, in the 24th minute, Sanabria made it 1-0 after Lukic won the ball from Olsen and played the Spaniard through, who was fortunate that Medel defended like an absolute doormat, allowing him to slot the ball into the back of the net easily. Um, he fell to the ground. He tried to turn around to tackle him, like to, to change his positioning, and he fell to the ground, like like Romagnoli did. Um, on the stroke of half time, Sanabria was very unlucky not to bag his second goal of the evening, as his attempted strike from just inside the area whacked the crossbar. He had Skorupski beaten, and that was a rarity in this match. He played so well. Um, in the 69th minute, this goal, with the minute it was scored and everything involved, was such a meme. Lukic barged past Soriano and pulled it back for Pobega, who from just next to the penalty spot attempted to place the ball into the bottom corner. The ball hit Sao Mauro, who was laying in the six-yard box after losing his footing. The ball then hit the leg of Skorupski, and the ball rolled into the back of the net and went down as a Skorupski own goal. So a double deflection leading to a goal over there. Very, very, very fortunate for Torino, Uh, but it was coming. Um, in the 77th minute, Sansone won a penalty after he went to the ground after minimal contact by Vanya Milinkovic Savic. And I have to point out, I'm not too sure about that decision at all. And he was booked for this challenge, so obviously I'm really not sure about that either. Um, Orsolini stepped up and blasted the ball to the top corner, although Milinkovic Savic managed to get a hand to it. He couldn't do any better if he tried 10 more times. You know, uh, Mihailovic said that Orsolini is the main penalty taker for Bologna, ahead of Arnautovic. Okay, but he doesn't start very often. Exactly, that's it. He doesn't start. That's the reason Arnautovic takes them. But if they're on the pitch at the same time, it's Orsolini who's going to take them. Okay, well, he he hit this one nicely. I mean, beating Vanya Milinkovic-Savic from the spot isn't that easy. Um, Lukic had a really good game in particular. Um, Do you rate Lukic? What do you think think, of Lukic? I think he's a good player. I I agree. He he fits in really nicely Mm. to Torino, I would say. There, you know, with Pratt next to him as well. Um, yeah, they're not good. They, they've got a good team, Torino. Um, Bologna, on the other hand, they have nothing to lose. They're in tenth place, going for that Conference League spot. Apparently, what hurdles do you think Bologna face when trying to get to that Conference League spot? Well, first of all, there's winning games. That's always going to be a problem. Winning games consistently, right? Yep. Not fucking going on a three fucking loss game streak. Like yeah. I don't think they can do it. No, I, 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 I really don't meme, think like, they'll get Conference League. Like, the commentators keep talking about it because it's romantic, but, but yeah, yeah they, they won't get that. I would love to see it, don't get me wrong. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to watch. And Although, they'd have some put that they can bring in Bologna some Bologna and the Conference League might not even be too bad, man. Yeah, who knows? They could, they could do it. Do they have the players to play twice a week? Probably not. <laughs> um, now, we got to see Viola make an appearance, Woo. who is a favourite here at Serie A Spotlight. How did he perform and will we be seeing more of him? So unfortunately I was out at lunch during this game. I mm-hmm. had it on my phone but I, I wasn't really fucking paying yeah. attention that much. You know, I was eating veal and chatting. <laughs> um, did you see his performance? How did he I did not either. I was out as well, I'm afraid. So I'm, we can't give you any feedback on how he played. But I really hope that he'll, he'll play more and we, we do actually get to see him. I'll look up the highlights um, sometime this week. Um, he's magical and I had actually commented on uh, well I had tweeted whatever whatever the fucking word is for Twitter uh, boomer <laughs> and 
Bologna basically posted about about them signing him, and I said, "Great signing, the guy has a magical left foot." And they retweeted me, so yeah, that, was, cool that was that was Bologna are really cool on yeah. on Twitter. That that's pretty much why I like them. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we went there recently, and it was really nice as well. So that that's a plus. And I have a Soriano kit now. Yeah, the season he stops performing. Yeah, I don't. On, on on the other hand, fuck it, I have a Sassuolo kit. Um, but. Yeah, hopefully we'll get to see Viola play play more in the future because genuinely every time he gets the ball, it's like, what is he going to do? Yeah. And, you know, most of the time it, it comes off for him. Hopefully so. he can stay fit because that's always his problem. Yeah. He's always unfit. And he's cool as well. His aesthetic is cool as fuck as well. Bless you, bro. Yeah, um, but yeah, Bologna are 10th on 24 points and Torino are 13th with 22 points, just two points behind. I got a quad. Ah. I got a quest. So we're back with another question segment. Our first question today comes from Benji Flynn on Instagram at <laughs> InstaFlynn325. Thanks, Flynn. And he says, Empoli, how far can they go? Um, I think where they're at right now is probably the, the furthest they would be. I think things are really going to get competitive within that top seven now. And, and Lazio are behind Empoli as well. So we're very likely to see that, that dip. Um, yeah, I think I think eighth is probably the best that they're gonna do this season. But I, I, I hoped it would be different. Yeah, I'd say eighth is the highest. They can't get any higher. <laughs> oh, look at us agreeing again. That's fun. <laughs> Jamie Dent at Jamie Dent on Instagram. I think Jamie dot Dent is it? No, no. Let's see. Jamie dot Dent. Yes. Nice. He says we're almost midway through the season. How have things been compared to what you predicted? Um, Inter have been way better than I thought they'd be. Inter are way better than than they than I thought they would be, but I think I was a bit naive to think they wouldn't be yeah. great. Um, Same. Juve yeah. are definitely doing worse than I thought they would be. Um, yeah, I think in comparison to the beginning of the season, I think in the beginning of the season I thought Lazio and Roma would be doing way better than mm-hmm. they are. I think that I think I thought they would be pushing fifth, sixth, like uh, both of them, but otherwise. Milan, pretty much in that sec- first, second, third kind of realm yeah. that, that was kind of to be expected. And the top four of Inter, Milan, Atalanta, Napoli is pretty much yeah, what, what I expected from the get-go. Yeah, to be honest, um, I didn't see the season playing out the way it's been playing out at all. Like I didn't think Fiorentina would do this well. I thought they'd do all right, not, but I didn't like, think they'd do this well. Or Empoli, think, for example. It's been crazy. I didn't crazy, think like, Lazio would be so poor. Yeah. Um, I didn't think Sassuolo would be so poor, you know. Um, I didn't think Cagliari would once again fucking suck. Yeah, I I thought it'd be a bit better. But anyway, um, thank you, Jamie. The next question comes from Jack underscore motivate. Let's see, he brought it up. He fucking surprised all of us. He was abroad and he came to free hour today. uh Welcome back. pretty cool. Will Milan being out of Europe help them secure a Serie A title this year? Um, yes, it definitely gives them the opportunity to focus and you know have less injuries. Even though now, as soon as Milan got knocked out of the Champions League, Coppa Italia is coming up, so that's another fix- midweek fixture. Um, but I think definitely having one less competition, Milan will perform better than they would be performing if they're in the Champions League. But I still don't think Milan are ready to win the league. As long as Pioli plays the best players, there's a good chance, man. 
Yeah, but it's a bit hard to play their best players when apparently fucking they get a muscle spasm. No, that's true. I mean, the injuries don't help at all. But I don't know, last sneezing. game, last game, there were Kalulu, as we discussed. Yeah, yeah, discussed yeah. Messiahs, they could have well played, even Kessie could have played. That's true, that's true. Like you're playing but once a week. Rare, very rare criticism for Piotr this exactly, week, by typically, the way. Um, very rare. I don't really criticize him. Yeah. But anyway, I, I think I think Milan are just too unlucky to win the league right now. Yeah. Yeah, That's pretty true. much, pretty much. Maybe or that, or the physical departments a bit. Yeah. What about the the treatment and physical department? Maybe. Yeah, get a new one. That's yeah. what Oli Fischer on Twitter says always. He's like, oh, you should bring in. Um, I think Inter's because when when they brought in Inzaghi, they they sacked Conte's medical team ah, or something, okay. so they're available okay. essentially. Oh, good. Oh, and good. He keeps saying to, to for Milan to bring them in. Why not, man? Why the fuck not? But anyway, ah yes, some fucking reading questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> Staring at your laptop. So the next question, um, the last one on Instagram, comes from Santi. Thank you for, very much for doing Thanks, the podcast, dude. bro. And he asks, who was more nasal, Mintoff or something? <laughs> no, Mintoff was more nasal than you, I Santa, agree, Mintoff, I Mintoff was definitely more Yeah, nasal. I would have loved, like... Santi will have you on again 100%. You are perfect. Uh, but I would have loved to, to listen to Grima on the podcast That's as well. So that would rude have been. And inconsiderate, bro. <laughs> that would have Santi's been really easy. nasal, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Santa, is that you're not too nasal, bro? Don't worry about it. Isn't it funny? That was the labor episode. Oh my god, it's Sant, true. Sant, Sant and, and Mintoff. That's <laughs> fucking fantastic. If I'm too Fenex, Allah isn't, isn't much different. Too Fenex or Santa. <laughs> Okay, and then the last question comes from Steve Colera at Steve Colera on Twitter. <laughs> no, bro. And he says, firstly, huge shout out to Mint and Santi for filling in and doing a great job. Viva Labour. Respect. <laughs> Think Napoli will recover um, back to first place or are just Inter too strong? I, mm, I don't think they'll recover back to first place. Um, I think they, they're still in the position to turn, to turn things around and not decline as heavy as it's looking um, like I, I don't know if they're going to drop six more points and Fiorentina will consistently win or Roma will consistently win or you will consistently win and take their place I, I think Napoli will still stay in the top four for the time being um, but then the question is is fourth the best they could do with Atalanta Inter and Milan I think potentially they could get third and Put Milan in fourth if the injuries are that terrible for Milan mm. for the rest of the season. You know, Napoli were... I see them highest third. As we mentioned, they were cursed with, with injuries. I think if they, had they kept this momentum up, AFCON wouldn't have been that bad. Yeah. yeah. But they kind of fell early, huh? so, so it's looking quite grim for A them. Very unfortunate yeah. timing for them, man. I don't know if they can keep up with Inter. I don't, no, I, I, I don't Milan, think so. Milan, for sure, they're on the same boat. I think Atalanta and Inter, will, they're, they're a train that's coming like yeah. fucking fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. At- Atalanta, pff, they, they can win the fucking league, man, Atalanta. They Imagine they come against Inter and they kick their asses like... That could definitely fucking, happen. That, they've that, been, that they've is been nice. fucking destroying teams yeah. for seasons now. You know, I mean, all they need is a lucky year. A Literally. year with a few slip-ups around them and they can do it. Literally, uh, a beautiful way to conclude the podcast. We're here talking about a team that you know, from rags to riches, competing in the Champions League. You know, How they're fucking doing bits in Serie A. Beautiful story. But thank you once again for tuning in. This has been episode eighteen, and that's fucking crazy. Like, even though we did sixteen of them only. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, remember to follow us, guys. We're we're on Twitter at Seria Spotlight. We're also on uh, Instagram at Seria Spotlight. And 
basically our, our Instagram lets you digest just a little bit of Serie A talk in case you yeah. can't sit through two hours of, of us chatting away. Uh, but yeah, send us a question. We'll, we'll definitely shout you out, out of our yeah. few Feedback followers. Feedback will reply for sure, because yeah. we don't have that many messages. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. We can, we can talk culture. But yeah. thank you, and we're looking forward to recording again next week. To another hangover. <laughs>